welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by Forsigmatic, creator of all things superfood mushrooms and founded by my favorite Finnish fun guys. I love all of their products and in fact, I am sipping their reishi hot cocoa as I record this. Their superfood mushrooms are always part of my daily routine, and I'll often have their coffee plus lion's mane or coffee plus cordyceps in the morning for energy and focus without as much caffeine as regular coffee. And all of their coffee blends have only about half as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. But the addition of the superfood mushrooms gives you just as much brain boost and focus. So whether you're trying to reduce your caffeine this is a great option. Or if you're just trying to increase your focus, it's great for that as well. Or if you're like me and you're trying to do both, you can have twice as much coffee for the same amount of caffeine. Throughout the day, I often sip their chaga and cordyceps in the afternoon for the antioxidants and immunity. And I always turn to their reishi elixir at night for improved sleep. They also just released skincare that is so clean that not only can you eat it, but it's encouraged. Their charcoal mask has activated charcoal to clarify, chaga and cacao for an antioxidant boost, and other superfood and herbal ingredients. It's so clean, you can literally also make it up into a cup of hot cocoa. Their superfood serum contains a blend of avocado and olive oils with reishi and herbs for a hydrating skin boost, and it works super well. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 15% with the code wellnessmama by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellnessmama. So again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash wellnessmama and make sure to use the code wellnessmama to save 15%. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. It's a company I have loved for years and I order from them all the time. In fact, the majority of the non-perishable and frozen foods in my house are all from Thrive Market. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely need to. And you can get a completely risk-free 30-day free trial for being a listener of this podcast. Just go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM. So thrivemarket.com forward slash WM for Wellness Mama. Here are just a few of the reasons that you will love them. First of all, they have over 500 of their own Thrive Market brand products that are incredible quality and amazing prices. That's everything from bulk ingredients and spices to chips and salsa to nuts and snacks and even protein sources like tuna and sardines. These are all non-GMO and most are organic and at prices cheaper and better than conventional alternatives in my local grocery stores. They also have really high quality meat and seafood as well, from completely grass-fed meat to pastured pork to free-range chicken, and it's all delicious. Thrive is essentially online Costco meets Whole Foods online at much better prices, and it comes to your door. For instance, in my most recent order, you would find a bunch of canned tuna and sardines, bulk nuts and spices to stock our pantry, plantain and cassava chips for snacks for the kids during summer, crackers, condiments, all Thrive Market brand, and all favorites in our house. If you haven't, you have got to check them out. Again, go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM to start your 30-day free trial and see for yourself just how awesome they are. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. 
I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and I'm here today with Dr. Rob Franklin, who is a veterinarian with advanced training in veterinary internal medicine. He has led and developed successful intensive care units in Florida, Australia, and Texas, and has local lectured locally and internationally on equine internal medicine. He's published peer-reviewed journal articles and written several textbook chapters on the topic. And on this podcast, we always talk about some aspect of health. And today we are going to go deep on our on pet health and for the furry members of our family. So Dr. Rob, welcome and thanks for being here. Well, thanks, Katie. My pleasure. I think this is such an important topic because many of us have pets that really truly are parts of our family. Yet I feel like there is not a lot of good info out there about pet health. There's endless websites when it comes to all the aspects of human health, um, but it's hard to really find good information about how we should be taking care of our pets optimally. So to jump in, I'd love if you could just kind of give us a primer of some common misconceptions or things we get wrong in modern society when it comes to taking care of our pets. Yeah. And that's a, it's a big question. Like you say, there's, there's a paucity of information out there and the information that, uh, that people do access, you know, just like everything from Dr. Google, it's, it's hard to know, you know, those voices to trust. And so I think thankfully people have a veterinarian, uh, if they've got dogs and cats, and and obviously that is a, a great place as far as starting to um, find good trusted information is going to a licensed veterinarian for that. You know, in terms of of health and what we see with dogs and cats in the twenty first century, really the problems that we encounter are not that different than the problems that we experience with our own health, and that is that dogs and cats are now living a a modern domesticated lifestyle that is is just so foreign to to the way they've evolved or from where they've evolved. So, you know, where diet and exercise tend to be really big for human health, um, actually diet and exercise are very big for pet health as well. There are a lot of pets that are kept in um, in urban environments and, you know, in apartments and they don't get to to get all the exercise they need. You know, they're being fed uh, packaged diets, which are a long way from from where they've uh, they've started. And then the other thing that is a big problem with people is just our emotional health and well being. And I know that uh, that you you have focused on that before, and and that's something that we always think about is our own emotional well being, but. Actually, uh, a lot of times we see um, dogs and cats that come in for uh, medical issues, and a lot of times they're behavioral, and and they really stem from uh, a lack of social well-being. The, these are emotional uh, critters, and you know, dogs tend to be pack animals. Uh, cats do tend to be loners, but but they all have you know this social interaction that they require, and whenever they don't get sufficient levels of that, uh, it affects their health. So. You know, they, I think that um, probably the big, big three things that that people deal with diet and exercise and, and social well-being, emotional well-being, I think those uh, those probably are mirrored in our pets lives as well. So those are those are big issues for us. And yeah, those are perfect starting places to springboard into a lot of the questions I had for you today. But I love that you brought up the social interaction side because you're right. I've talked about that a lot when it comes to human health. And that makes complete sense that dogs, especially as pack animals, would need that. Does that mean that dogs are better if there's more than one dog in a house or can they get that fulfilled through human interaction as long as it's done intentionally? Um, They they can, um, but they, you know, in every pack, there's an alpha and 
those of us that have watched uh, Cesar Milan, uh, you know, in, in the dog whisper, you know, we know that there's an alpha in there. And a lot of times the alpha is us, right? And so companion animals help. But uh, for example, in my family, we've got two weenie dogs and, and one of them is a uh, little chili dog is the submissive one. So he, he reports to Woody, the, the older one, and Woody reports to me. So there's, when Woody doesn't get my interaction as the alpha, he, he's wanting that. He's wanting the leader. You know, where's the pack leader? So uh, I think it can help for Chili. Uh, he gets it all from from Woody. But, you know, they, they've got to have that hierarchy. And, and when you're the alpha, they're, they're wanting you to be there. Now, sometimes mistakenly, people allow the dog to be the alpha. And, and that creates a lot of problems, you know, with, with aggression and, and behavioral issues that can be um, very difficult to get, to get over until that uh, hierarchy is reestablished. That makes sense. Um, another thing I've heard that I would love verification from you if it's true is that there's actually benefits. I know we're going to talk about pet health and gut health especially, but I've heard that there's actually gut health benefits for humans of having pets in the house, especially dogs, um, largely because they're inside and outside and bringing interaction with other species of bacteria. In fact, I've seen studies that when there's households with dogs, there's actually lower incidence of allergies in children in those homes. Um, have you seen any of that research or is that something that you would believe to be true as well? Yes. And that topic, the breadth of the health benefits that we get from companion animals is amazing. Um, so you mentioned a, a couple and, and we get a diverse uh, microflora, which are the, the healthy microbes that live on our body and in our body. Um, we, we do get a diverse microflora when we live in conjunction with other animals. Uh, and so, so you're right there. And then, you know, certainly with the allergy thing, um, you know, the more that our, our kids are sort of exposed and, and, you know, it, it's been in a sterile environment where you really get trouble. You can get trouble with your microflora. You can get trouble with your allergies when you're just operating in, in a, in a bubble. So, you know, the body's designed to, to learn how to interact with, various allergens and to realize that some of these are need to create a, a significant response and some of these need the response needs to be uh, insignificant um, but whenever you you expose you know kids to a lot lots of different things then um, that that allows their bodies to to react appropriately now the other thing that is just well there's there's several more items that are extremely beneficial with with uh, having pets in the household. Um, and those can vary from dealing with anxiety and depression. Uh, there are some great, great studies that show that people that own pets are a lot more resilient. You know, the pet becomes a coping mechanism for people. And you know that they're always, they're always happy and willing to be uh, our friends, no matter how bad our day was and how Perhaps uh, neglectful we were to them. Uh, even that morning, that afternoon, they're they're wanting uh, they're wanting to be your buddy again, and that is that has tremendous emotional benefit. But there's also real physiologic health benefits that are conveyed by being a pet owner. And you see a lot of people that are recovering from uh, chronic disease, dealing with chronic disease, they may have hypertension. There's risk factors with developing heart disease that go down whenever you've got a pet. So. Pet ownership has lots of emotional and physiological benefits for people. That's awesome. Yeah. And of course, we all just love our pets and enjoy them too, which 
as social interaction and connection for us, which is also beneficial. You mentioned diet also being a really big factor for pets. And it makes sense that that correlation is there because we've all read and heard how our modern diets are not necessarily how humans were meant to eat. And I have to believe probably dogs weren't meant to live in a, you know, a little square box of a house and eat a mono diet the same thing over and over for their whole lives. But go deeper on that. Like from all of your research and the work that you've done, what does an optimal food scenario look like for dogs? Well, and we'll say optimal and we'll have to also sort of use the word practical because optimal doesn't isn't uh, realistic. So so let's just talk about the diverse uh, part of a, a, a dog's diet, you know, several hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, as far back as you, you care to go. You know, dogs, even before they became domesticated, they were, they're foragers, right? And so they're going to uh, they're going to take advantage of de- eating dead animals. They're going to take advantage of uh, capturing small prey, hunting in a pack and capturing larger prey. So all that diversity, you know, and as they feed as a pack, uh, you know, sometimes they're going to get, you know, be stuck on a leg and getting, you know, bone and ligament and uh, muscle. And sometimes they're going to have, you know, some of the abdominal organs and, and stuff like that. So they're, they're eating different things all the time. Um, and even just eating a, a whole prey, so say they caught a squirrel or something, you know, they're, they're getting a very diverse diet by eating that whole animal because they they don't scrimp on any of it. They, they eat the whole thing. And so, uh, you know, with eating the brain tissue has got really high omega fatty acid content. We all know that. I mean, it's kind of gross to think about it. But I mean, if you think they are getting a really good dose of that, when they eat the intestines, of a of a prey, they're getting a huge amount of a probiotic. They're naturally getting that probiotic source. They're getting the enzymes from the pancreas. They're getting um, the the bile salts from the liver. Uh, you know, so they get all these minerals and, and 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 these elements that we try to recreate. And that's where I think that that we get we get into a bit of trouble is that we're trying to take that diversity and we're trying to put it into a kibble or a can. And it's just really hard to do. Now, we have developed some some better diets. And, and I think people people try to do the, you know, the best they can. I mean, some people get really radical and go on these raw diets for themselves and also for their dogs, it, which is great, but it's not, that's not a, a silver bullet either. Um, that, that gets hard to provide that diversity. You know, if you just go and buy raw bone and meat, that's not just what the dog eats. I mean, if you think about it, they need, you know, all those organs and, you know, the microbes and the enzymes and everything um, that they're not going to get out of just eating bone and meat. So, you know, you can go from from the extreme of a low quality kibble to the, um, you know, extreme of people trying to feed a raw diet. Neither one does a great job. So the answer probably lies in the middle as far as what's optimal and what's practical is, you know, in the 21st century, we've got to, we have to have a packaged diet. You know, people just, they've got to feed their dog one or two times a day. And, you know, we're all busy leading our lives and, and trying to, you know, cook or prepare or go out and hunt something for your dog. That hardly happens. And granted, there are people that, that spend extreme amounts of time doing that. And that's great. Tip of the hat to them. But let's face it, most of us don't have the time we need to reach for something else. And I think that the starting point for people to realize is that is that these low quality foods, these highly processed foods uh, that we fed in the past, 
and continued feed because they tend to be affordable and they put a lot of the sort of sexy words on the packaging that make us think that we're doing the the best we can, um, that these are actually a big problem for our dogs and they lead to a lot of the health issues that we deal with uh, when, when we're treating these small animal patients. Got it. Are there any, I mean, you don't have to name brands if you want, but if are there any particular types of food that you would say are better than the rest or things that people can look for um, on labels? And I know we'll talk about supplementation and how to get more optimal in a minute, but what should, what should we look for as pet owners when we're trying to pick a food? Great question. So, you know, when we're looking for, for commercial diets, we need to be thinking about the same things whenever we are going in and buying food for ourselves. We need to be looking at uh, whole foods, we need to be looking for a limited number of ingredients. I think those are really great places to start. When we deal with a lot of the processed foods and a lot of the meals and and where you've just taken something and, and you've basically processed it and got the best out of it and then you have what's left over, that's where a lot of our pet food has been generated from. So we want to avoid those types of things. I like a um, you know, a salmon and pea protein is, uh, there, there are several diets that, that utilize that. You, you get a lot of, uh, fatty acids from the, from the salmon. The pea proteins tend to be good plant-based proteins that dogs do well on as well. Uh, a lot of our diets are very inflammatory because they have a lot of the omega-9s in them. And the, so the, the omega-3, 6, and 9 requires a natural uh, balance to be anti-inflammatory versus being uh, pro-inflammatory. And so if we get that that omega level off of its normal ratio of having more anti-inflammatory than pro-inflammatory, then we basically are walking a- around with a highly inflamed uh, animal and people are the same way. And you get a lot of that from, from your cereal grains. You get a lot of the omega-6s and 9s that tend to be more pro-inflammatory. And we need those those healthy omega three doses that can come from things like flax and salmon to keep our in- inflammation under control. So those are key tenets that I ask my clients to to look at whenever they're buying their their food, and and realize that dog food companies are out there to sell dog food, right? So they're gonna they're gonna do as much as they can to put things on the label that are going to be enticing. You know, they're going to translate, try to translate things over from, from how we shop as, as consumers for our own diets into the dog thing. And, you know, they're going to have what we call label dressing on there. And so I think the consumer needs to be a little bit careful with that because the, the amount of things they can put on the label compared to what actually has to be in the product is, uh, that's a wide, wide margin. And, and quite honestly, people get misled with a lot of the label claims that are on there. And so, you know, you can just put a trace amount of something that would be ineffective at, at that dose into a diet and you say, boom, this also contains, you know, glucosamine. And everyone says, well, glucosamine is great for joints. So that must be a great product. Well, I caution people to think that in a diet, in a, in a well-balanced diet, they're going to get things like extra uh, joint supplement or bone supplement or you know muscle or, or gut. They're just not going to get those supplements in their diet. So, if your dog actually needs a supplement, it probably needs a supplement that is specifically designed for that and not something that's thrown in there at a very, very minuscule amount and put on the label and where you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm paying a little bit extra for this, but I'm getting the, the supplement built into it. It just doesn't work that way. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about some of the scenarios where 
pets might need supplements. Um, and I know that you were involved with uh, and work with a company that has the probiotic that I give to my dog. But let's start with probiotics. Is this something that dogs and cats kind of universally need if they're living in a modern environment? Because you mentioned in the wild, they would be eating food sources that naturally have that. And they probably aren't hunting down or eating dead animals quite so much if they're living in our houses. So is that a universal need among house pets? It is. Very simply, it, it is for for people and for pets uh, on a modern diet. We just don't get that diversity and, and that microflora that that uh, that we need whenever we're uh, we're eating modern prepared meals, whether we're you're feeding a can or a canned food or kibble food. Those dogs have to have those healthy microbes, number one, just to keep uh, their gut in check, but number two, to help them digest the food that they that they have and to resist infection. And then, you know, the, the third thing is that these probiotics and, and prebiotics as well provide a, a tremendous support to the immune system. Most people don't realize that that your gut is the key to your overall body health. It really starts with having a healthy gut. And so our immune system is, you know, everyone thinks about their immune system. They think about lymph nodes. They think about uh, lymphocytes and your other white blood cells that, that clean up infection and make antibodies and, and do all that. And you think all that sort of happens inside your body, uh, you know, whether it be your spleen, your lymph node, your bone marrow. But they don't realize that 70% of your actual immune system is in your gut. And the reason that, you know, we were designed that way is so that we can basically anything that we're eating or drinking, um, your body needs to mount an immune response. If it's something that's bad for us, it needs to immediately pick up on that and try to to uh, do whatever it can to stop that, that bad thing from hurting us. And if it's something good, then it needs to react to that in a positive way that allows that microbe to go ahead and, and live inside of us or on our skin in a, in a synergistic effect. So, you know, having that immune health, having that, that need for improved digestion um, and, and just realizing that everything, uh, most of our, our body's uh, health starts in the gut, you know, it's just, it, there's no doubt to me that probiotics are, should be part of a, a modern diet. Um, you know, I take them every day. I feed them, you know, to my pets every day. It's just, it's amazing how uh, fewer common colds, you know, few, you know, everyone thinks, well, it's just, you're just trying to prevent GI upset. Well, yeah, that, that too. But uh, if you want to have really, you know, great GI health, you know, probiotics work wonderful, but they also help your immune system in dealing with, um, with viral infections and with dealing with allergens. So it's um, there's so much that is conveyed uh, through the use of probiotics that it's it's such a an easy thing to to recommend for uh, for pets. Got it. Are there any other supplements that are kind of universal, or is that the main one? And then beyond that, it would be you need to work with a vet to see if your pet needs a specific thing. Well, I think you know there are some other common areas that we see problems in our small animal companion animals, and and I think probiotics are one. I think the other thing that um, that most of the time they need help with are enzymes. Enzymes are you know a big deal on the human side as well. Uh, people realize that you know an enzyme is the thing that helps us break down food, whether that be uh, protein, be fat, be carbohydrate, any of those things require an enzyme to break it down so that our body can absorb it. And 
you know, thankfully we've got a pancreas and we've got a, a liver that helps us do that. But we are loading up our, our diets. Sometimes we're not able to extract all the nutrients out of it because again, it, it, you know, we're feeding these processed foods and they need basically a little extra help to help unlock all those nutrients. So I think, um, I think that our pancreas and our, our liver, we see a lot of inflammation in the pancreas, a lot of inflammation in the liver in, in dogs and cats. And, you know, I think that it's just because they're under chronic stress to try to digest these pet foods that we're giving them. So I think that enzymes is definitely a, a good thing to, to provide a pet daily, just, just to help them get the most out of their food. And then another very common thing that we see in the veterinary clinic is Dogs coming in, and to some extent cats, but more often dogs coming in with arthritis. As we just talked about, just sort of trying to get control of inflammation in a dog. So trying to to get those omega fatty acids in the right sort of ratio. Um, you know, anytime you've, you're walking around with inflammation, you know, big place that shows up is in your joints. And and we see these dogs are thankfully living longer. And that's great. And that's due to modern medicine and, and just our ability to detect disease earlier and prevent disease and infection. I, you know, that, that part's wonderful. But these dogs are, you know, in their latter years of their life, their, their quality of life typically deteriorates because of their joints hurt. So, you know, having a joint supplement can be a really important thing for especially our senior dogs, but also our active dogs. And those of us that, you know, like to go out and run and, and maintain a healthy lifestyle you know, during our younger years, you know, we realized that a lot of, so we don't get arthritis is plain prevention and trying to keep a low inflammatory diet and trying to take in those, those healthy uh, building blocks for the joints through a joint supplement, you know, doing that before arthritis sets in will keep us from getting uh, arthritis as we go, you know, later on. So, that arthritis deal is a, is a really big deal that I think that you can address both with diet and with supplements. Another big issue that we see with dogs, especially sometimes cats, is the development of arthritis. So quality of life in these pets that are getting older, you know, and, and a lot of our dogs are living longer because of advancements in modern medicine. We're detecting disease earlier. We're preventing disease from occurring. But a lot of times their quality of life goes down because they, their joints get stiff and they develop arthritis. And so, you know, I think that there's a certainly room to to go in and supplement both the the dog that is actively, you know, dealing with arthritis and, and also with active dogs, especially large breed dogs that are prone to arthritis, developing arthritis later on in their life. So um, just like, you know, those of us that that run and, and exercise, you know, we, we try to keep a, a very... Um, non-inflammatory diet. We also take, uh, you know, things like glucosamine and, um, and, and the joint supplements and such uh, early on in our life to prevent arthritis. We can do the same thing with our active dogs. And, you know, obviously we can supplement them once that's occurred, but the more you can, you can, you know, stop inflammation and, and provide those, those building blocks for the joints and joint fluid, the, the better off you're going to be and the better your dog's going to be. We all hate to see the, those, those stiff older dogs. And, and quite honestly, that's just one of the most common things that come into the vet clinic is, is these dogs that, uh, are, you know, have bad arthritis. Another, another good way to, to manage that is also to keep them in a healthy weight. So a lot of our dogs get obese. 
especially our big breed dogs, our big labs and golden retrievers and stuff. They, they get overfed, under-exercised, and they, they get extremely obese. That obesity is creating a lot of inflammation in their, in their bodies. And then it's just, you know, from a physical standpoint, it's harder on their joints as well. So I think those, the gut and the, the joints are the biggest things that I think that people need to be thinking about supplementing. Okay, great. And another question, um, especially, I guess it applies more to dogs unless there's a corollary with cats as well. I've heard kind of mixed advice on what kind of things we should let dogs gnaw on and chew on, um, both for safety. Like I've heard some people say raw bones are safer because they're not going to chip, or some people say you shouldn't give certain bones to dogs. What are some good guidelines around that? And are are there specific things that are actually beneficial that provide um, some source of nutrients that we could be letting them chew on? Yeah, good question. Good question. You know, honestly, we don't see that many problems at the vet clinic in terms of, you know, dealing with intestinal perforations or anything from dogs eating bones. You know, they, they, they're naturally designed to eat bones. I think raw bones are, tend to be good, um, you know, for, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. And they're going to, you know, that, that's going to keep their, their teeth clean. It's going to, uh, you know, keep them active and interested in something. Uh, it's also going to provide them with some some micronutrients, some mineral content that they may not be getting elsewhere. But I think some of the, the better uh, synthetic things that are just there for them to pass the time, those are fine too. Again, it, some of it's social well-being and just keeping them interested maybe while we're out at work or doing other things and they've got something to, to play with or, or deal with. Uh, that's important. There's also been some advancements with with some of these chews that that help with dental health. And dental health is, uh, again, another one of those just day in and day out. We look at these pets and they just have, especially the smaller breed dogs um, that are on, you know, little tiny kibbles or canned food, uh, their their mouths just are, are really, really bad. They get terrible gingivitis. Their teeth start to rot out. It's it's a nightmare. People normally notice it because their breath stinks. Uh, and as veterinarians, we look in there and we just see advanced dental disease, one case after another. So I think that that using chews can be uh, can be helpful in that. Where I was sort of going with that, there are some that are uh, that are specifically designed to help with oral health, and I think that those should be considered. Uh, there's even some that truly uh, have like a medicinal value to them as well. There's a product uh, called Oravet that is it's out there that's made by the people that make Frontline and, and things like that. But um, it, it's it's extremely beneficial in, in keeping those, those teeth and gums healthy. And so I think people should consider that. They also need to consider the fact that dogs need an annual dental, just the same way that we need a, an, a go see the dentist every year. It's, it's important for their oral health to get those those teeth and uh, cleaned up, you know, assess the, the, the gums, make sure they're fine, detect fractures and abscesses and things like that that we can do when we do a, a dental on these dogs. But dental health is a, is a huge deal, and I think that chews can help support um, that interval between their annual cleaning and keep their breath nice and fresh, and, and which makes them a popular pet at home, but it also makes them a healthy pet. Should we be brushing their teeth? Because I've you know seen a lot of products out there for brushing both dogs and cats' teeth. I, I guess my thoughts always been that's not something that would have naturally happened in their normal environment. But I also know they're not living in their normal environment. So is that something we need to worry about? Well, I think it is. You know that that is certainly one of the avenues that we recommend for people to to care for that. You know there are some some things that you can put in the water that help you know regulate the oral health. That 
works to a certain degree. It'd be more akin to us uh, rinsing our mouth out with mouthwash. But you either need to be brushing them or they need to be fed one of these oral chews that are designed for dental health. They're both going to do essentially the same thing. But if you're not doing one of those two things, then you're definitely neglecting the teeth and gums of your of your dog. And, and cats can get you know issues as well. Quite honestly, it can be easier just to uh, to brush it, a, a cat's teeth than to try to give it uh, a specific chew for its dental health. But the way these these animals evolved, you know, part of eating those those less interesting parts of the animal, you know, the tougher parts, is that they essentially got their teeth cleaned in that process. You know, uh, that that gristle, the 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 bone, everything like that, just really works to scrub those teeth. And so they're not getting that in this modern environment. So we do have to do something. That makes sense. And I, I've heard that on the human correlation as well as how we um, used to have to eat obviously much more varied nutrient diet by eating the whole animal or eating whatever was available at the time. But also we didn't have the ability to soft cook everything throughout human history. So we had to actually like gnaw and chew, which develops the jaw and the maxilla and all of these things, which I've heard now functional dentists say that's one of the reasons we're seeing so many problems in kids is A, not enough fat-soluble vitamins, and B, we're not using our jaws to our fullest extent, so they're not developing correctly. And so it makes sense. Like There was a probably a very important reason that animals had to really gnaw and chew on things. And just like in our human diets, we everything's essentially baby food. It's so soft. We've kind of done the same thing with our pets. Exactly. And, you know, I'm just going to parlay that into one final thing is don't feed them off the table. You know, those, all that soft, mushy, salty, flavorful food that, that goes on our plates is not good for these dogs. If, if there's anything that you want to do, that's just easy to help your, your dog. Number one is don't feed it table scraps. Uh, it causes intestinal problems. It causes dental problems and it causes obesity. And, and so that's an easy thing to avoid. And we always recommend people just avoid doing that. That brings up a great question. Are there any foods that are okay to give to our pets? For instance, like if I'm making, you know, grass-fed meat for dinner and I trim it, can I give raw meat to a pet? Is there Are there things that are okay? Or if so, what are those guidelines? Yes. And, and sometimes, you know, we'll prescribe uh, a home-cooked diet uh, for certain. Sometimes we're doing a, a food trial and we're trying to look for things that may be setting a dog's allergy systems off. Um, or we may be trying to restrict to really, really basic uh, food because you've had a digestive upset. But I would say that, you know, while we talk about the natural diversity that, that these animals grew up on or evolved through, we do not have the ability to recreate that diversity. And so when we think, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cooking a, a nice grass fed piece of meat here. It's all organic. You know, everything looks good. Uh, I'll just share that with my dog. That's not, that's not a part of that dog's normal diet, modern diet. So I would rather that dog stay on a high quality kibble and not get, you know, little pieces of healthy things because it's just not truly diverse and their systems are not, they're not set up in a way where they've been scavenging and they've got, you know, they've got a, a gut that's ready for those, those different sort of curveballs. I'll call them, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you go to the, go to the third world and you go travel or something like that, you know, those people that have been eating, you know, in that environment and eating a real diverse thing, they, they don't have any problem, you know, processing even, things that make us very sick. A dog is in, in, in North America, 
you know, is invariably living on a very focused diet. And so I like to keep that, you know, consistent. It sounds counterintuitive when we talk about diversity is great in the way that they grew up. And if we could just recreate that, but the problem is we can't recreate that. So by realizing our limitations, we say, well, let's not, let's not try to throw them these curveballs because it will, their bodies just aren't ready for it. Now, sometimes your veterinarian is going to say, hey, I want your dog to eat, you know, boiled chicken and rice. And that's a common thing that we'll do after they've, they've, uh, you know, had a digestive disturbance. We're trying to keep it, you know, simple ingredients, things that are easy to digest. You know, there's a variety of, of different home recipes that we'll provide, but I would only seek those under veterinary guidance and just, you know, try to be consistent in the fact that I'm going to keep my dog being fed a really high quality uh, kibble diet and, you know, I'm going to use the probiotic supplements and, and that's, that's what my dog gets. If you do that, you're just not going to see a lot of problems with your dog. If you, if you throw them curveballs left, right, and center, that's more likely to tip things in the, out of favor and, and they're going to start to develop some issues or have the chance to. Okay, cool. This episode is brought to you by Forsigmatic, creator of all things superfood mushrooms and founded by my favorite Finnish fun guys. I love all of their products and in fact, I am sipping their reishi hot cocoa as I record this. Their superfood mushrooms are always part of my daily routine and I'll often have their coffee plus lion's mane or coffee plus cordyceps in the morning for energy and focus without as much caffeine as regular coffee. And all of their coffee blends have only about half as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. But the addition of the superfood mushrooms give you, gives you just as much brain boost and focus. So whether you're trying to reduce your caffeine this is a great option. Or if you're just trying to increase your focus, it's great for that as well. Or if you're like me and you're trying to do both, you can have twice as much coffee for the same amount of caffeine. Throughout the day, I often sip their chaga and cordyceps in the afternoon for the antioxidants and immunity. And I always turn to their reishi elixir at night for improved sleep. They also just released skincare that is so clean that not only can you eat it, but it's encouraged. Their charcoal mask has activated charcoal to clarify, chaga and cacao for an antioxidant boost, and other superfood and herbal ingredients. It's so clean, you can literally also make it up into a cup of hot cocoa. Their superfood serum contains a blend of avocado and olive oils with reishi and herbs for a hydrating skin boost, and it works super well. As a listener of this podcast, you can save 15% with the code wellnessmama by going to foursigmatic.com forward slash wellnessmama. So again, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash wellnessmama and make sure to use the code wellnessmama to save 15%. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. It's a company I have loved for years and I order from them all the time. In fact, the majority of the non-perishable and frozen foods in my house are all from Thrive Market. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely need to. And you can get a completely risk-free 30-day free trial for being a listener of this podcast. Just go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM. So thrivemarket.com forward slash WM for Wellness Mama. Here are just a few of the reasons that you will love them. 
First of all, they have over 500 of their own Thrive Market brand products that are incredible quality and amazing prices. That's everything from bulk ingredients and spices to chips and salsa to nuts and snacks and even protein sources like tuna and sardines. These are all non-GMO and most are organic and at prices cheaper and better than conventional alternatives in my local grocery stores. They also have really high quality meat and seafood as well, from completely grass-fed meat to pastured pork to free-range chicken, and it's all delicious. Thrive is essentially online Costco meets Whole Foods online at much better prices, and it comes to your door. For instance, in my most recent order, you would find a bunch of canned tuna and sardines, bulk nuts and spices to stock our pantry, plantain and cassava chips for snacks for the kids during summer, crackers, condiments, all Thrive Market brand and all favorites in our house. If you haven't, you have got to check them out. Again, go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM to start your 30-day free trial and see for yourself just how awesome they are. And another thing you mentioned in the beginning was the movement aspect. And you're right, I think a lot of pets spend a lot of time indoors during the day or even in kennels or cages as their owners are at work. But I've also seen studies on the the flip side of that of how pet owners in general tend to be more healthy because they do need to take their dogs for a walk or, or there's things that cause them to be more active. But what does good interaction or good action levels for pets look like? I know it's obviously harder to take a cat for a walk, but specifically with dogs, how much activity do they need and how can we make sure they're getting enough of it? Great question. I, I think that that really goes a bit into breed. And so what is that dog designed to do? So, you know, a lot of our hunting and sporting dogs, I mean, they, you know, um, they, they, you know, they are just so full of energy. So, you know, an appropriate level of, of exercise for them is, is a lot different than, you know, your, your little uh, Yorkie or, you know, what we'll call lap dogs and where they don't require as much exercise. So, you know, if you're a jogger and you, you take a little Bichon freeze out for a five mile jog, you're probably going to be doing more harm than, than good on that, that small dog. Now, you know, you have a border collie or a Labrador, you know, that's completely appropriate. So they have to look at, again, take that veterinary advice and, and we apply that and, and help people regulate, you know, how much exercise is appropriate. But I think every dog in an urban environment can benefit from is, little as a walk around the block. I mean, if you've got a traditional 20 to, to 30 pound uh, indoor dog and you live in an urban environment, I mean, getting that dog out uh, for some exercise uh, is just is just crucial. I don't think you can overdo it if you're doing leash walking or something like that. If you are a big runner um, and you don't have a dog that is a, a sporting dog or a, a herding dog or a, a, some sort of working dog, I think you probably need to to check with your vet, make sure it's appropriate, whatever distance that you're, you're trying to run with the dog. Cause, cause you know, they can get very sore when, especially if they're not conditioned for it, but they may just not be bred for it either. Okay, good. That's a good benchmark. Um, another question when it comes to pets, I've seen a rise of, um, articles and just different things online of different natural remedies that can be used on pets, whether I think CBD is a huge one right now. Everybody's talking about giving that to their pets. Um, I've seen people talk about giving like different herbs or other types of supplements to their pets. And I'm really curious to get your take on this. Are there things that are in general like safe to give our pets if they're having some kind of an issue or is that always a situation where we need to take them to a vet? Um, again, I, I think that there are, you know, things that are, are easy to assess and and you can, you can give certain things to dogs. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, as veterinarians, it's typically when we're dealing with a problem, then we're going to 
you know, advise certain changes, but let's face it, you know, you get to go to the doctor a lot less whenever you're making sensible, healthy changes in your own life. And I think the same thing applies to, to dogs. Uh, Just on the CBD thing, uh, we have probably about six months ago came out with a, a CBD chew and, you know, CBD, it's, man, there's so much that's out there and people just don't know where to start. Um, It's hard to tell what's what, uh, where the quality is, uh, what's the appropriate dose, what's the appropriate form. You know, I mean, I think everyone's just sort of jumping on that bandwagon and where we see a lot of benefit in our product, which is the, the rocket animal health, the canine cush um, chew is that we, we see that helping with these arthritic dogs. Again, we, we combine it with um, a few of those other uh, active things that help uh, provide, you know, sources of glucosamine, sources of chondroitin sulfate, sources of hyaluronic acid. And then there's other anti-inflammatories. You know, we're all pretty savvy to things like uh, Boswellia and curcumin. And, and there are certain forms of those that are, are more bioavailable or better absorbed. And so we, we combine our product with that and then add in the um, water-soluble uh, organic CBD. And and that is big on these arthritic dogs, the ones that need uh, natural ways to reduce inflammation, which, you know, the Boswellia and the curcumin are really great at doing. And then they need, you know, the building blocks to repair their joints. And then they need the pain-relieving um, aspects so they don't have to take non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs every day, they can rely on the natural pain relieving effects of CBD. And so we, we see, you know, tremendous results from that product as well as, you know, from the anxiety people, you know, talk about CBD use and, and, and relieving anxiety for people. And, and that's great. But what we have to realize again, in those urban environments is a lot of our dogs are anxious. I mean, a lot of the problems that we see is uh, these dogs acting out and doing things that sort of frustrating to the owners. They're, they're doing that because they're dealing with tremendous separation anxiety. And so being able to provide that CBD in there to mitigate those those symptoms, as well as trying to be more proactive about getting more social exp- exposure to the, to the animal um, are great ways. So yes, uh, there are things that can convey uh, a health benefit as far as other supplements or, or natural things that are going to help us and help our pets. I'd say if there's not a, a trusted source that you have in terms of uh, of getting some of that stuff, I think it's worth asking your vet, hey, what do you think about, you know, XYZ? Is this liable to, to help my pet? And I think, you know, them knowing the breed, the the age, the, the medical issues that may or may not be there and what your intent is with the product, I think that they're going to be able to guide um, those specific questions that may come up from time to time. Yeah, that's super helpful. And um, I've, I will make sure that I know that you guys have resources and all the products that you've mentioned. I'll make sure those are linked in the show notes at wellnesswama.fm so people can find them. Any other parting advice you want to give to pet owners or specific product recommendations you would make so I can include them in the show notes? You know, I, again, I think I think people need to um, just think about the, the, the big three, you know, uh, diet, exercise and social well-being and, and apply those healthy lifestyle choices that that you guys are always talking about on your show um, that people are making for their, their families uh, and for themselves and applying that to your pet. Uh, it they they rely on us for all those things. And I think that if you're mindful of those, you can you can do it you know, a lot of good in, in prolonging their health, their, their life and, and elevating their health and, and minimizing, um, 
those problems like arthritis that, that affect quality of life. And so, you know, simple diet, um, you know, using whole foods, using limited ingredients, uh, trying to be mindful of things like omega uh, ratios. And I think, uh, you know, providing social well-being and, and providing some level of exercise that's appropriate for the, for the age and the, uh, and the, the breed uh, and lifestyle of, of your pet are, are just really key tenements to health. Um, don't forget your, your annual visit to your veterinarian and making sure that, uh, you know, you're caring for those teeth as well as the first part of the digestive tract. And it's diarrhea and uh, stinky breath are two parts of the digestive tract that, that cause uh, common complaints from owners. So uh, a good way to deal with that is being proactive, getting those teeth uh, cleaned at the vet, you know, annually, and then, and then doing those things to, um, you know, with the, with the healthy chews and, and things to try to keep those or, or brushing the teeth to keep those teeth as free of disease as possible. And between those cleanings, those are the, those are really easy things for people to latch on to and just have tremendous health benefits. Awesome. And then lastly, as we wrap up, I would love for you to just speak for a moment about Full Bucket and the the work that you guys do in giving and helping pets um, in need around kind of around the world, because I know you guys have a huge social impact here. And this is something that's really important to you guys and to your mission. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's always a fun part of uh, our business that we get to do and um, we get to talk about as well. But, um, you know, we we you know, I think, you know, I talked about, you know, books that, uh, that we read that really were life changing, you know, for, for me, it was, um, I don't know how your mom is, but my mom was always forwarding me random emails and, and sometimes sending books and things. And, and, and a lot of, a lot of that stuff, quite honestly, she may, may or may not listen to this, but, uh, it doesn't get read. And one time, uh, you know, she did send me, a, a book that uh, Blake Mikowski wrote, uh, Start Something That Matters. And of course, he's the Tom Shue founder. And that was uh, a dozen years ago. And and that was really a, at the time that my partner and I were, were starting to come up with some of these nutritional supplements. And it just, uh, you know, in, in, in 12 years ago, you know, having a social enterprise really wasn't, people didn't do it. I mean, it's sort of table stakes now every Every company uh, that you that you see it, it has some sort of social cause they're trying to embrace, just because that that's what the that's what the consumer, quite honestly, demands. But it was it was really refreshing, you know, twelve years ago to read the book and um, and, and and decide, hey, if if we're going to do something, if we're going to make a business, you know, what the world doesn't need is another supplement business. You know, what the world needs is uh, really quality products that um that that do leverage that that for-profit business into helping uh you know those that are less fortunate in a sustainable way where we're not just um just trying to constantly shake the bushes and get get donations and and stuff hey everyone has a a purchasing power of a dollar and and how you want to apply that dollar i think we all have a social conscious and we'd all like for a portion of that dollar to to go and help those that that don't have the the blessings that we all um, have so readily available to us. So what we did with that was we we sort of parlayed this nutrition company into a a one for one um, type of, of deal where for every product we sell we provide one to a working animal in need. And so working animals are uh, you know in, in a traditional standpoint people think about um, you know, there's a, about a hundred million working horses out in the world. Those are horses, donkeys, and mules that are working in developing countries. 
these people don't have, you know, a, a truck. They're working in mountainous uh, landscapes, trying to haul coffee off of a hill or, you know, firewood to their homes because they don't have anything but a wood burning stove. They've got to buy, you know, bring pasture, go cut down roadside pasture and bring that to their milk cow. You know, it's just those animals are truly a big part of, of, of the majority of the world. And, and that's the impoverished world and who are the majority in, in our world. And, and so we, we do support those um, both with a, a nutritional supplement that's specifically designed and made in country. And we also provide our veterinary uh, resources as well as we lead several trips down to Central America to provide veterinary care, dental care, vaccinations, deworming. Um, we look at uh, lameness issues, look at saddle sores and and try to do a lot of education. What's really cool is we get to work with local veterinarians uh, who uh, we've just made great friendships. They're just you know, both a wealth of knowledge to us and we are a wealth of knowledge to them. And, and so we love working with them. That's a very sustainable way for us to contribute into a local community where we can help train the, the local veterinarians who's going to be there when we're not. So that's a great way, but you know, there's working, there's working small animals too, that we support. And a lot of these are, you know, things like dogs that provide uh, social, they, they go into hospitals, they go into, um, they work with, you know, warriors that are uh, dealing with PTSD. They're, they're dealing with people that are, you know, troubled with depression or have mental or uh, cognitive disabilities. And, and these dogs are specially trained to go in and, and provide the, this emotional support. And, and these are, these are truly working animals. I mean, these animals are making people's lives better. And, and we're very proud to support those type of working animals. And, and so we always, uh, as we supplement and, and, and give back, we're always sort of looking towards that working animal, whether that be a small animal or, or a large animal, but those are the ones that we support. And there's lots of opportunity to help animals out in the world. That's just the particular niche that we've uh, contributed to and, and will con- continue to do so. And it's, we couldn't be prouder to do it. I love that. And that was another reason I was so excited to have you on and to share that today. Like I said, I use your products with my pets and I know that you guys do so much good to help pets around the world and working animals. And um, I'm really appreciative that you took your time to be here with us today and share your expertise. And I think this will be really helpful for a lot of pet owners. So thank you. You bet. My pleasure. And as always, thanks to you for listening and for sharing your most valuable asset of your time with both of us today. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.